Okay, the uh, space is open. We are just waiting for people to join, including our guest, uh, who seems to be here. Uh, and also, uh, uh, I'm going to invite uh, Walter Leck to join us in case uh, uh, we need any translation help. Katya, can you hear me? Hi, yes, I can hear you. Can you hear me? I hear you just great. Uh, thanks. We're going to let people come on in. Uh, if you could tweet that we're live uh, uh, so that your followers will know, I will do the same and we will get mm -hmm. things going. Okay. Yes, I've done that. <laughs> Excellent. Um, so we're just going to wait a minute for people to come in and then we will get started. All right. Walter is here. Um, Walter, can you hear me? Walter is not connected yet. Let's give him a second. Yes, I can. All set. Excellent. Uh, Walter, it's good to hear your voice. Um, so, Katya, anytime uh, you would be more comfortable speaking in Ukrainian, feel free to speak and Walter will translate for you. Just make sure if and when you do that, that you pause enough between sentences so that he has time to keep up. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I'll try to do my best. Uh, Let's, I'm just going to tweet the space out and we will start. Um, you, you are listening to Live from Ukraine from Lawfare and Goat Rodeo, a highly eccentric podcast recorded on Twitter spaces before a live audience and featuring Ukrainian voices on many different aspects of the current situation. Uh, uh, our guest today is Katya Savchenko, who wrote uh, recently an extraordinary uh, diary uh, on Medium of uh, seven or eight days uh, 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 surviving in Bucha under uh, the Russian uh, uh, invasion and then presence. Um, and I asked her to join us on on the show to talk about the diary, to talk about what happened in Bucha. Um, so Katya, uh, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for inviting me and thank, uh, thank you for sharing this important topic with your audience. So I want to start uh, eight years before Bucha this was not the first time you had to flee, flee uh, the, a Russian invasion. And when I first read that you had uh, 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 first been displaced in the, in the first Donbass conflict in, in 2014, it sounded like a little bit to me like there's, a, there's a, 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 a joke in English fleeing Hiroshima for Nagasaki. And, and this, you know, like you know, being driven out of, of the Donbass to go to to Bucha is it's a kind of almost unimaginable uh, 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 parade of horribles. So let's start in 2014. Where are you and your family from and how did you end up in Bucha in the first place? Mm, okay. Um, yes, I was born in Donetsk. Then I grew up in Gornivka, it's a city in Donbass region. Uh, in 2012, I moved to Kyiv because I studied at an university, Tarasuchenko National University of Kyiv. So during 2014, I was already in Kyiv and 
that winter from like 2013 and 14, I was participating in the, in the Maidan also. So I tried to support it as much as I could. And um, when everything started in Crimea, my family was already nervous about it. And my dad told us that I think that Donbass will be the next because we always knew about this Russian appetites for the territories. Uh, so in spring, uh, my dad uh, came to visit me in Kiev. So we started to search for a new place to live. My dad's uh, just to look for a new apartment. And um, we, <clears throat> yeah, we chose uh, a place in Bucha. We really fell in love with that place. And uh, it's in the forest. It's super nice town with nice people there. Yeah, we fell in love. Um, and then um, when everything, like, when this, like, um, all this bombing started already in Donbass, uh, my dad was already in Bucha, oh, not in Bucha, in Kiev, because we, like, bought an apartment, but we still had to do some stuff in the apartment. So we just uh, were in the apartment of our friend in Kiev. In Kiev and uh, my dad was already in Kiev, but my mom and sister, they were in Horlivka at the time, and then they had to pack their stuff as fast as they can. And um, just moved, just took the first train and go to Kiev. And the first months we were staying <clears throat> in that apartment in Kiev, and then we moved to Bucha, finally. And um, what is the most, um, like the, the most sad thing for me about the situation is that uh, when I was at home the last time, it was yeah, 2014. It was uh, I, I went home to see my relatives on Easter. I didn't know that this is my last time at home. Uh, because then I just didn't have any chance to go back because uh, it was already occupied by the time when I was in Kyiv. <clears throat> Sorry, I was having uh, trouble unmuting myself for a moment there. So, oh. <laughs> so when you, um, uh, when the war started, the full-scale invasion, uh, you, uh, did you, did you think it was coming to Bucha uh, or you thought of Bucha as a, as a safe place to be? What was the, um, I mean, it's obviously far from from Donbass, um, but did you have a sense that you were likely to be, you know, sort of right in the path of the the, the Russian assault on Kyiv? Uh, I can say that our family uh, was thinking that um, uh, the first thing that we really believe that it can be possible, and we really was thinking about that it uh, it's going to be Kyiv, not only the east of Ukraine. I don't know, we just, maybe that was just experience or something like that. So one month before the full-scale uh, invasion, we met with our family um, and we were trying to decide what we're going to do if everything will, like, will start. Uh, but we didn't think about that support from Belarusian side, uh, that Belarus will support Russia and that from their territories also will be some provocations and attacks and the forces will be going from that part. Uh, so our dad was sure that it's the best option is to be together and to be at, in one place because we were thinking about that maybe they will try to cut uh, off their connections, mobile, like internet or something like that. And um, we just tried to discuss what we we're going to do. And um, our decision was to, like, if everything 
start we will start so we just grab our stuff like everything we had like uh, in our house because i was living in kiev by the time and my sister also but our parents were living in bucha and uh, the first chance we have to go to bucha so we can meet all together and we like didn't think that it will be even worse to be in there than to be in kiev of course no one knew i guess and um, that's why i i had my backpack prepared approximately a week before everything like big before the 24th of february yeah, and um, when i woke up we just even didn't discuss what we're going to do because we already had this plan that we have to go to bucha um, of course i was I, i had some hope that um, uh, our parents will decide uh, to go somewhere to the west for example i don't know or to to leave uh, the town because already in the midday it was clearly understandable that um, everything started from Kostomo uh, which is really close to Bucha and uh, that um, uh, everything can start there in Bucha just for people who don't know Kostomo is is the site of a large uh, cargo airport mm-hmm. that the Russians uh, tried to take uh, and uh, uh, was the site of a very significant battle as a result. Yeah, yeah, thanks. And uh, but there were already huge lines and um, we just understood that it's almost impossible to get out of the town, so our dad was like he made this decision that we have to stay. And of course, I can understand him, he was in shock like every of us and he didn't want to leave his uh, home like this for the second time it was really painful for him and to my mom because we, they just started their new life in Bucha it it took some time and some years to for them to settle there because we are young like for us to move to another town it's like mm, it's it's a stress but it's not as um like uh, hard as for our parents because of the age and yeah so you um So you go on the first day to Bucha um when and one thing I'm you know your your the diary is is uh you know remarkably detailed in some ways and um and but it left me with the question when did you realize that you had basically gone exactly the wrong direction and that you know going from the 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 better thing would have been for your parents to come to Kiev rather than for you to go to the house in 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 Bucha when when did you realize that you'd sort of walked into the firing line um i think it was exactly the first day like uh in the evening i already understood that okay um i understood that Bucha is not a safe place but it was really hard to understand what's going on in other cities because um I would try to explain when you're just in this situation when this like shooting arounds and explosions uh, you're kind of thinking that um uh, other cities are in the same situation like you cannot imagine that somewhere can be really calm and nice and like, of course like Koski wasn't nice at all and uh, um but I think that um during the like late evening already i realized that we made this wrong decision and of course um on the next days when we started to read the news uh we just understood that uh, we are in a 
big risk now and that is better it was better to stay in kiev or even maybe to go there now but again our parents didn't want to go didn't want to leave and it was already um um it wasn't safe to go because they their forces were really fast and uh some uh, ways were already blocked or damaged or something and uh, um being in shelter it's it has some um this i don't know even how to explain um it helps you to think that you are kind of like safe because you're you have such such some kind of cover over your head uh because going to um somewhere where you do not know anything about the like uh, the situation is even scarier and uh, of course that uh, the the news they they weren't able to provide you with this full information about the roads about the transport and stuff so uh one of the most moving parts of the diary to me um is uh where you describe sitting in the shelter and thinking about your values and mm-hmm. you write and i i i maybe you should just just find the passage and read it but you write that you're uh you're never going to again not proclaim your love for somebody when you feel it you're never going you're you're not going to spend any more time regretting professional choices or that you're uh uh you know where you are in life um uh i'm i'm interested in whether that was a momentary feeling under a situation of enormous stress or whether that experience of being in that shelter and not knowing that you were going to survive the next day um has had a longer term impact on your outlook on the world and the way you engage with people um yeah that was a really kind of powerful moment because i was super scared at that time that uh, that was one of the scariest day uh, i guess because uh, all these explosions and shootings were super us and uh, i was really like thinking that each uh, every next second can be the last one every next minute can be the last one in my life so Yeah the first thing I did I just wrote my friends uh, to the chats because I didn't have <clears throat> much time I I was thinking so that I don't have much time uh to write everyone in person that um I wanted to apologize for everything that I love them so much and I just I don't know if I will survive and um, and it that was a way for me maybe to calm myself down I don't know when you <clears throat> when you face a situation uh Uh, when you feel that you can die exactly the next moment you are you now it, it somehow it sounds super like in movies or something like that i i never believed in that but it really happened to me that you can see the whole your life uh and uh, you're not analyzing even it you just see some random pictures from it and you are at that moment i just understood that oh okay even if i will die now i i had such a great life i didn't regret anything i really had the best friends ever my super parents and i loved my country so much and uh, um that i enjoyed uh, each task at all my jobs that i did and if i like but maybe 
something I can change to to make it better if I, I will survive. Maybe I, I I can do even better. So yeah, I promised myself that I will I, I will not. Um, be silent about my feelings to other people, especially if they're super good ones, especially if I want to say this, yes, words of love or gratitude to someone else. And um, that that really, um, that was, I don't know how even to explain, because maybe, yeah, it was because of stress, but you feel at the same time super scared uh, you are crying, but at the same time you feel happy that you are kind of a bit proud of yourself that you you spent a great journey in this uh, on this earth and uh, you are grateful for it. And um, I, I'm still with this feeling. And uh, now um, I, I think that somehow uh, me and my family we feel that. Um, if you already survived that experience, there is nothing in this life you can be scared about. I mean, in if you are like afraid to write to someone or to ask for a job offer or something like that. So these things they are so miserable comparing to that experience that we had, and you have to to use any chance this life gives to you. And yeah, so, so it's, it's, I, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, I I have nothing to add. (laughs) Um, So one of the things that I was interested in in the diary was that um, you are clearly very aware that terrible things are going on uh, around you and outside the shelter. Um, And you hear, you write at one point that you hear rumors that there were uh, uh, killings and rapes and um, uh, but it's not clear to me that you, you were aware at real t- in real time that there was a, a mass slaughter and uh, you know the scope of the atrocities that we've learned since the Ukrainian armed forces retook the city and so I, I guess I, I was interested in uh, you know, was your sense that there was a war going on around you and that people, it was dangerous because there was a war? Or was your sense that there was a massacre of civilians going on and uh, and it was dangerous because there was a war and because the Russians were wantonly killing civilians intentionally? How much did you know about what was happening outside the shelter in Bucha? Um, when we were in the shelter, um, of course, like my sister, she like she has more friends from Bucha because she continued her study at school uh, there. So she was in contact with her friends, with her teachers, for example, who also were in Bucha, and some of them tried to escape. And um, so the first um, uh, the first thing it was like from the just personal connects and contacts or from people who who we know that they saw something from their windows, for example, or they even experienced that. It's like as I said, for example, my uh, my sister's friend they tried to uh, went by car 
to in direction of Kiev. Uh, I guess I don't remember. And the, the situation that Russians stopped them, and then they checked the car, and then they told them, that, "Okay, you can go." But then they started to shoot at them from the back of the car, and they um, damaged the, the wheels. So she and she was super scared, and she just managed to to continue her way just on the flat tires. And uh, it wasn't only the one story. Like the, the other source, uh, we had the uh, this territorial defense groups. Uh, yes, these guys who were volunteers who who was like observing what is going on in the town, just uh, uh, looking how how is the situation. So they uh, visited us. Uh, for several times and they just shared some news with us for what they saw, for example, or what they like heard there. And um, if, for, the, for example, of course, I didn't, uh, I just understood was, I, I didn't have any like expectations of the kindness from the Russians because it's war and we always knew their attitude to us, to Ukrainians. But even I, was shocked with the news when I saw this this tale because I knew somehow the situation because again like the stories and we had more than two thousand like no not two hundred sorry more than two hundred people in the shelter everyone has some relatives some neighbors who they texted them that they saw something or they heard something and uh, um, somehow we knew but even I was shocked with when I saw that pictures when I was already. Um, like not in Bucha, I, I I couldn't imagine that this it's it's so huge that was like really I know that streets and this the number of it's just something terrifying and uh, for example the first days uh, we could hear this you know this massive like explosions really hard one and uh, shootings but then uh, after a couple of days they changed just to automatic bursts. And uh, when we went to the toilet, for example, uh, sorry for the details, because like we were sitting in the basement, but the toilet was on the first floor. Uh, this shelter, like security guys, told us that please don't go too close to the windows because like there are some this uh, uh, like shootings just from the guns, and uh, even there were some days they told us not to go up, uh, and we could really hear all that sounds. Uh, that uh, something is going on. That's just some some guns. Uh, and um, after that, uh, I, I was like somehow me and my sister. We were re- really lucky, so we we didn't see the corpses uh, on our way. Even when we went from Bucha to Irpin, I don't know. Maybe we were just in shock, and I just tried to look forward and not to like look around. But my parents, uh, they saw them and. Uh, like that situation that happened to Vlad uh, and uh, just to other friends. Uh, so for for us, it was clear that something something super, like super terrible was going on. Not just because of of the heavy weapon, but just uh, the street fights or something like that. We but, but you yeah. it was clear to you that something terrible was going on, and yet you were still surprised when you saw the pictures and realized the scale of it. Yes, yes. I mean, I, I was. Uh, I just remember when I saw all that, uh, all that, all those pictures. Uh, I couldn't believe, like my eyes. But uh, I mean, um, my my parents saw like some of this, like uh, um, some some of the like, um, uh, uh, like more more like. Um, 
close than we are. Uh, but of course, and uh, I just remember I wrote to my friends that I don't like. I can't imagine how we can go to, to the, the town again. I can't imagine that that I can just walk the streets around and, um, yeah. So you make a a very interesting stylistic choice in the diary, which is that you never capitalize the word Russia or Russians. Um, and I'm interested, I, I assume that was from the original diary, not just a creature of the translation, but I'm, I'm interested in uh, uh, what, what that choice reflects in your own thinking. Um, you know, just, uh, I, I don't think that they deserve, you know, this like capitalizing. Uh, for me, this country, the government, they, they, they doesn't exist. I mean, they don't have to exist. I mean, in that way, of course, we, I mean, in that way that it exists now, like do, during uh, doing all these crimes against Ukraine and against other world. So just, I don't know, it's kind of emotional. I just cannot capitalize this the first letter of this country. And moreover, like, sorry, uh, just also answering your previous question, um uh the, like yeah about the crimes and everything uh my dad he was on, uh, under the fire also after a few days like after we left with my sister my dad personally was under the fire he was shooted in the car by russians and uh so i just realized that he was just lucky enough to survive because uh, the driver and his wife they were wounded and uh, um yeah, and uh, the the driver was wounded in the leg, and uh, shrapnel from the car window hit a woman in the eye, and she's just of they they survived. That's okay, but uh, they were wounded, and my dad he just um, got down. He was sitting on the back seats in the car, and he just luckily he got got down because, and that that was a thing that saved him because. After that, he showed me the video of the of that car, and there were like four holes into the uh, window on the back. When my dad, they, they they just opened the fire on the car, and uh, somehow it's he kind of miraculous. What? It's kind of like a miracle that he was not uh, killed or 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 badly hurt. Yes, yes, he yeah, and then he he had this like a long negotiation with that uh, Russian soldier and my dad told that he um, he even uh, couldn't speak like Russian language normally the guy who shot him like uh, from the words of my father he was um, somewhere from Buryatia or something like that so he tried to negotiate with him that he started to scream that we are civilians don't shoot at us like we're just civilians we live here and now you win, you wounded people. I have, we have to take them to the hospital. Like he tried even to ask them for for help, but they didn't. But they, like eventually, eventually he let him go. Like after this twenty minutes of of this conversation uh, under the barrel of a machine gun, and uh, so yeah. And then my my daddy just carried that uh, wounded people to the hospital in Bucha somehow again on on flat tires because they damaged the wheels again and. Uh, and I just understand that it it was just a miracle, and that's it. And my my dad just personally faced that he was su- super close just to be dead. Like, and when I saw that all all the pictures, and I just realized that 
uh, it could be him or my mom. It's no, like I, I and <laughs> going back to that question, like I, I will not uh, even <laughs> if I can, I can show my uh, non-respect to this uh, government country even by not capitalizing the first letter of of their name. So I will do that. So we're going to go to audience questions in a moment. So if you have questions, this is a good time to uh, request to speak. Um, I want to ask you, you are now in Poland. Uh, is your family, you describe at the end of the diary that your family is uh, out and safe as well. Uh, are you all together? Where, what, um, wh what are you doing now? And, and, and what will, uh, at what point will you go back? Oh, uh, yeah, my uh, my parents, they already in Bucha. They went back. Um, they escaped uh, from Bucha and then they spent like uh, a couple of months just in another region. Uh, they were waiting and then they went back to Bucha. My sister already went back to Kiev because we were here in Poland together and I decided to stay here for a while. Um, like the first reason, I'm, I'm too scared to go back because, um, yeah, I still feel scared. And uh, there is no safe place in Ukraine. The war is continuing and uh, we are checking the news all, all, every time and you, you can just understand that, okay, you were a super lucky one that you escaped and that you survived and I don't want to try my, my own luck again. I just don't ready. And the second, op uh, the second reason was that uh, I get a job here, and uh, I was super happy about it because I wanted to earn money, so I have a possibility to donate this money to our Ukrainian army and just to other needs. And um, yeah, and uh, when I got when I received the, the job offer, and uh, I just decided to, to stay here because the company or like temporarily opened uh, the office in Warsaw, and I'm really grateful for them. And I uh, wanted to add that uh, they really helped me with this publication <clears throat> of my diary because they helped me with translation, with the editing, and um, I'm really grateful. So now I'm just here work for at that company. Uh, global one with Ukrainian roots, headway like as a content <laughs> content project manager, and somehow it helps me to feel better because without work, uh, I was going mad. Like when you have nothing to do, you're just thinking all the time about the experience you had, about that you have a war and this fear it kills you. So somehow you need to distract your attention attention to something else. And uh, I really do my job now also. And my parents, they're they safe. I cannot say that they're, like, okay. Because, as I said before, there, there are no safe place in Ukraine. Uh, but they, I think that they feel better being at their own apartment. And we are lucky one because our house wasn't damaged. Uh, again, luckiness. I don't know how. Um, yeah, so. Building in Bucha that wasn't damaged. No, no, they they hit it. Um, like we live on the fourth floor. Uh, it was a fire on the second, but our neighbors were at the time uh, in the building, so they just helped it not to not, not to go further. So somehow they saved the building from the from the fire. So and our apartment wasn't um, wasn't damaged. Walter, uh, the floor is yours for any questions you may have. Thank you, Benjamin. Thank you, Katya. And uh, Katya, thank you for 
for sharing your experience here with us. And uh, I'm incredibly sorry that you had to relive through this twice in your life. Once, I believe, when you had to leave Orlivka and Donbass after it got occupied by Russians into Southern Fritin. And the second time nowadays in Bucha. I actually have a short question about Horlivka, but prior to that, <laughs> according to your parents, how, how does it feel to to kind of, kind of come back to the city, to the to Bucha? The trauma is in there. How does the city try to kind of deal with what happened? How does it feel to 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 be in the city right now? Um. Thank you, thank you for your words and for the question. And um, for the first time, like when when they just arrived, uh, that was hard, of course, and they just didn't try to go out from the apartment. But uh, my mom said that uh, um, everything, like when we were there, it, it was winter, and uh, uh, like now. Um, like she, I will try to explain what she said to me because I asked her about it. Uh, that <clears throat> now everything is green, and somehow she feels that nature covers um, that pictures. Like that now the pictures they're different because you remember that uh, the butcher during the February, during the March, and now it feels a bit different. And uh, our local service is really good. They like repaired a lot of stuff uh they um they're working on to rebuild the city of course there are some damages that cannot be just uh, fixed uh really fast but um for them it's better to 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 be at home in their own apartment i just feel it i, I even can hear it from their voices they just not try they, not for now they're trying not to go that streets like uh or some, some of that places which you you could uh, see on the pictures and um about Horlivka, uh i know it's um uh we never went back there uh in eight years uh we just left and that's it and we didn't visit uh, it at all even like some some people they managed for example but we just didn't want because for us if you're crossing the border you kind of um um like was uh, you kind of accept that you have to pass this border like you are going to another country or something like that and um that was the first reason the second reason that you just, just didn't want to go there the, the third reason is that uh, me and my father we uh, we were on the list uh, of that uh, uh, occupiers because uh, during the time we were super like pro-Ukrainian and uh, I, I was participating in some activities uh, in Horlivka supporting Ukrainian side. So that's why when when they occupied the territory, like it was finalized, uh, just some volunteers. Uh, uh, like they informed me that I'm on the list and I cannot go back there, like because like, even even in security reasons. Just briefly to specify, because Russians always tell us to that we have to hear the voices of people of Donbass. Well, I believe you are the mm-hmm. exact example of the voice that has the incredible gravity. You are from Donbass. You are from Ukraine. You know what is happening in there, and you know what happens under Russian occupation in, in Horlivka where you come from and in Bucha when you had it twice. 
So just are you like, like, can you give us like brief impression? What does it feel to live under Russian occupation for so many years if you're still connected with that part of your life in any way? Mm, uh, frankly speaking, I wasn't like super close connected to that because uh, for the first, like the first reason I, I wasn't able to go there. I, I, I was really happy not to live under that occupation because I was already in Kyiv. I saw that people who, um, um, who says the power there, like during the times who tried, but it wasn't, uh, that time like totally occupied. Uh, and, uh, I, I just, um, uh, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard for me. I, I'm lucky one day that I, I wasn't under the occupation. My uh, grandparents are still there. They don't want to leave. And this is a really sad story because they are kind of, um, this, they really uh, trust Russian propaganda. And for us, it's really um, like sad situation, especially for my father, because it's, it's his parents. And, um, because yeah it, it works powerfully on people even now i just uh like pe some people write me or leave some comments that it's not the real like and that uh, what happened to butcher is not for real that it's all just some actors and it's, what I, it's a craziness and um but wait, uh, wait, on that point mm -hmm. they don't believe their son and granddaughter about what happened to you? Yeah, 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 we had this kind of, yeah. And this is, uh, I'm frankly speaking, I, I don't really even want to tell, like to talk about it more because like for us, it's super, uh, like it's painful because they even didn't trust to, uh, to our dad, to us. And uh, yeah, because they always, uh, they, they grew up in Soviet Union. They always watched Russian t TV. And uh, even during this eight years, we couldn't, we, we did all we can, can, you can trust me that just to, to change their opinion, just to show them truth. But they are old people. I don't know like what's in their heads, but maybe now they are starting to realize what's going on. And, but it's really hard for them now to admit it because after all that happened, um, yeah, it's like a family drama. Ev Gomal, the floor is yours. Thanks. Um, thank you very much for your very moving text. Your, the diary is amazing. Um, I was wondering how it came to be, like what prompted you to write it? Um, uh, thanks. Uh, I was writing it just during during my stay in Bucha, just in the, in the basement, because you, you don't really have uh, a lot of things to do in the basement. And when I um, prepared my backpack, uh, all that I had inside, like the and my diary, which I usually, uh, I usually like write some stuff into my diary, uh, like even before the war, like for, for some years, for some years, um, it helps me, it helps me a bit, but during the time, it uh, really it, it has some therapeutic effect at me. It was kind of therapy for me just to uh, to fix the reality because somehow you cannot understand that what is happening is for real and it is happening to you. And uh, when you are just writing about it, it somehow you you feel that it's it's happening with someone else, not with you something like that. So I just tried to fix 
everything uh, and uh, um, the publication and the article in the medium it's not is not full uh, because like the full story is much longer <laughs> about uh, every person I met there and uh, about every stuff we, we, we did and because you have nothing to do you just sit for the whole day in the basement uh, sometimes like three maybe per day to go out to to have a smoke break and then you just run back because it's sh- like shellings and stuff and um so yeah i did that and was there some stuff you didn't feel capable of writing like stuff you censored and like why did you decide to keep some of this the the thing you wrote and decide not to publish other parts I uh, just realized it's it's it, it will be a really long long story and it's it, it's going to be too much symbols for 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 an article. Uh, so I wanted to edit it in a way. Just of course, when I was publishing it, the first thing I wanted to uh, to sh- to share what happened to me, and I want um, to be heard that uh, just um, what is going on with a person who just. Uh, had this experience day by day and I understood that if I'll publish the full 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 version it will be too long and uh, maybe one day I will manage to do it I don't know like maybe I'll try even to write write a book or something just to just just to fix that what happened to me I don't know like but for I just made this decision and there were some like really personal things that I wasn't ready to share with the audience we have a question uh, from uh I don't know what the person's name is, but the uh, tag is Slava Ukraini, and the floor is yours. Uh, thank you, Heroin Slava. Uh, actually, <laughs> Shannon, Shannona uh, Savchenko, thank you for your story. It's incredible. I'm so happy to hear what you had to live for. From uh, I have a question that um, about your relatives who don't believe what is happening in the butcher. Do you plan maybe in the future try to how to maybe different with different approach, how to maybe change their minds? Maybe maybe you have this any uh, hopes, maybe it's changes because I still hear in the stories uh, from, um, from a lot of the people who on the east of Ukraine have the relatives and it is completely similar stories. Relatives still believes that it's within this Russian propaganda. Thank you. Mm. Uh, you know, that's a difficult question because we are, we are still trying almost every day. Uh, of course, I, I, I have some hope and uh, still i I'm, I'm trying to believe that uh, one day they will change their opinion and but i <clears throat> from the from the other hand i'm trying to be realistic uh, <clears throat> and preparing myself uh, maybe it will never happen they are too old now and i i cannot just it, it's a really uh, it's a difficult topic and i think that uh people the, the psychologists need to work with people who were under propaganda for for all this time it, it's not so easy even just to to explain it because you know these arguments it doesn't work because it, you have to like switch on your logic you have to do fact checking and stuff and um, not everyone is ready for that it's it's much more easier just to to watch tv i don't know <clears throat> and believe it <clears throat> so um i'm i'm not a professional in this question i'm trying and we are still trying of course and we are telling them but uh um i don't know if we will succeed walter 
Yeah, I'll go slightly on a tangent here, um, specifically regarding 2014, if you recall those days, because uh, the narrative that we encounter is that um, Ukrainians or Russian-speaking Ukrainians somewhat supported what was happening in there or supported, like, the movements. But I want to hear the notion or the first-hand experience from a person like you who has seen what was happening in 2014 when Russia initially invaded, when those protests were in Donetsk, and I believe those were also pro-Ukrainian protests. And there are rumors that people were, like, moved in from Russia to take part in that, if you recall those days. Um, <clears throat> yes, for what I remember, um, sorry, second. <clears throat> Um, as uh, far as I remember the days, uh, yeah, uh, really like some like Russians were in Ukraine the days. They were just transferred there, I don't know like how. Like, I remember, of course, we had the pro-Ukrainian protests in Donbass and we tried to do them in Horlivka. And, uh, but this, um, uh, like, I don't know, somehow Russia started to talk from the, from the inside of Donbass. Like they, they didn't invade yeah the territories for the first like they started to to do it in a different way like from the inside they just moved to ukraine and just started to organize some some strange movements inside and i i remember that moment when um our because i was that time i was in gorlivka um during the easter when i went um i remember that our uh the mayor of the city uh he was um uh, uh took as a hostage and uh, the most pro-Ukrainian deputy was killed at the time and uh, there were some really strange and random guys who seized a power in the city who who, who just he, who, I remember I was staying in the, in the main square in Gorlivka and I saw this like red flags some, and I, I couldn't believe my eyes and uh, um some people, maybe some people, they really believe in this idea of independent Donbass or something like that. But it's it's not. Uh, it, it would never happen if Russia wouldn't like uh, do that. Um, like there, like if they, if Russia wouldn't use that instruments that time, so they just move some people people there who. Uh, were organizing that protest and something like that. Like, never, never. I don't believe this because, yeah, we, we still, like, we had a lot of people who supported Ukraine at the time in the Donbass and uh, some of them, they wasn't able to move on, for example, to other regions after the territory supply because of multiple, uh, I don't know. And I don't know if I answered your question because I'm not sure. I just can say about the things that I really saw with my own eyes. I don't want to be... Uh, uh, like I'm not a professional, you know, and I just I'm not a politician, and I'm not uh, like analyst and these things. Uh, just can say about what I saw. Rajneesh, uh, the floor is yours. You gotta unmute yourself, sir. All right, we're going to uh, uh, move on. Uh, Ev, do you have other questions? Uh, yeah, uh, in your diary, you're talking about humor, you're like you're saying that it's something that Ukrainians uh, rely on. Uh, I was wondering if it's still the case nowadays, or 
if the mood has changed since uh, the first few months of the war, or, or since the first few months after the full-scale invasion. <clears throat> Can you uh, please uh, repeat your question? Because I, that I, I didn't, I didn't understand. Yeah, sorry. Um, I would like you to talk about humor, the way Ukrainians <laughs> rely on humor. Yeah, that's uh, that really helped us. Um, Uh, you know, even despite the situation and everyone was super scared and you always hear the explosions, you're trying to be optimistic and maybe because level of adrenaline, everyone had this enthusiasm, I don't know, like to help, to do something, to, to joke around that uh, now we will fight them and uh, um, like uh, other lots of jokes because humor is is almost the only thing that that can help you uh, even just being in a shelter. We, we had a lot of jokes about us being captured there in a shelter that, okay, let's just imagine that we are in a summer camp or something like that. And uh, Ukrainians are really great in doing memes and stuff because this emotional part is really important for us. And we, we, we do believe, of course, that we will win. Like no one doubts our victory. And because we are on the right side and we like, do love our defenders so much, our country so much. And uh, we, 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 we're trying to be optimistic about everything. And these jokes, this humor, this like memes, everything, it, it really helps us not to be sad because we, we, uh, we really see all this super scary terrible horrible news every day like every hour uh, it's um, and it's impossible to survive under this pressure so you have somehow to distract yourself and find some reasons i mean i don't know to smile and uh, i think that this is something about like protection of your psycho not to to, to go crazy <laughs> and uh, we are still we are trying to be positive like Mm, yeah. We're going to give Rajneesh another chance. Sir, unmute yourself and the floor is yours. Thank you, sir. Uh, I want to say about Ukraine. Ukraine is so... Uh, I'm so worried about Ukraine. And I think uh, Russia is, uh, should stop uh, the war uh, because everyone knows. Uh, about Ukraine, okay. But I want to say, you Indians are so worried about Ukraine. Okay. Do you have a question, sir? Sir, I want to know uh, what's the position of uh, Ukraine is uh, now. Oh, so sorry. Can some? Uh, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I, guess he's, I guess he's asking about uh, the the state of the war now, but I'm not sure that's a question that's uh, best yeah. directed. To Um, yeah, but yeah. If, you, if you have thoughts on it, the, the, the piece actually ends by saying the war is continuing. Um, how, how are you thinking about the current state of it relative to, uh, uh, to uh, a few weeks ago or when you left? Um, I mean, my like, opinion about the situation, about... Uh, Can you just, uh, sir, please explain a bit? Um, again yeah, I mean, so, so when you, uh, I mean, obviously you're not a military analyst, but when you, mm -hmm. when you look at the, the current fighting, um, uh, do you, you know, do, do you regard it as uh, a set of positive developments? They're, the HIMARS are destroying a lot of Russian mm -hmm. <laughs> Do you look at it as, 
uh, a dispiriting set of developments. The Russians have taken some territory in the Donbass. Do you, do you regard it? Like, how are you thinking about the war now? Uh, yeah, of course, I'm not the analysis, an analysis, like, and no one of us. But uh, what I can say that I'm, I'm trying not to do any like forecasts or um, just our horizon of planning is, I think it's two weeks, it's maximum. And you are just trying to in the moment. I think that, uh, of course, I, I hope that the things will be like positively uh, in and on Ukrainian side, especially with uh, this weapon and uh, the last news about, yeah, this, uh, uh, about Hamas, they were so super, like encouraging and uh, really hope that will help us to um to uh to make our victory real as soon as possible sooner than it might be and um but i try not to like of course because you know when i just arrived to um when everything just started we were sure that okay one week and everything will like will win and everything will be ended like something like that then we were thinking that okay maybe like one month after one month everything will be finished uh when i just arrived to poland i was sure that i will not stay here lo- longer than for i don't know one or two months but now i'm already here for four months so I, i'm just trying not to um not to make this forecast even for myself just to not if if there will be some great and positive news i will be super happy about them but in another way i don't want to be like be disappointed or something but i still believe that uh, we will yeah yeah we will deal with that and that we will win and as i said before with the help of the weapon in other countries so we are really appreciate that help we really need it really walter do you have an additional question yeah just briefly uh, something that you mentioned really kind of hit me um you're essentially in a different country with a new job, but you're still donating money that you earn and a position that you're currently are, you're still donating to armed forces. And I hear more and more people are doing that. Can you kind of build upon that? And uh, second question, just briefly, what victory looks like specifically personally to you? Uh, is it the Ukrainian flag over Horlivka? Is it meeting someone <laughs> you left in there? Is it coming back with someone that you met and returning? Or it's something else? Thank you. Yeah. And, uh, sorry about the first question, uh, like about these donations. Uh, uh, please, uh, like, um, what did you mean when you asked that uh, about, like, is still Ukrainian uh, late money to Ukrainian forces? <laughs> Yes. How do how do you feel it? How do you feel about it? Like, is it like your personal choice? You're like you want to, to uh-huh. contribute still. Just I want to hear your personal thoughts about this. Uh, yes, of course. I want to to be useful in 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 a way I can be like in any possible way. I want to contribute to our victory and just I I, I can't even imagine that I won't do it. And I think. Uh, every Ukrainian thinks so. I know people who gave their money really because uh, 
you don't need money if you don't have your own country or something like that. So you better give your like your last money to Ukrainian forces or to, to the people who fight uh, for our freedom and our lives. Then you just keep them and, and that what? What will you do with this money if you will not have anything? Uh, so we are still as I said before, I can't even imagine that I won't do it. Um, and somehow I think it, it really helps to feel that you are useful because not everyone can, um, like I, I'm, uh, I, I'm so frightened. I, some, sometimes I regret that I'm not brave enough to go, for example, and to fight, to take some weapon and uh, to defend uh, like other girls or other guys like from our forces and, or even other volunteers who really risk their lives every day and they really help like, physically they do something i'm i'm not brave enough to do this so at least i'm trying to to donate money like it's the least i can do and just to share to share information what happened and uh, the second question was about victory victory for me is uh, the first thing is the territories from um um 91st year like as it was before the russian invasion so <clears throat> of course donbass luhansk is a part of ukraine crimea is a part of ukraine so i want uh, all the russians like leave our territories and never disturb us again and uh, for me victory is also like reparations so they will be uh, charged for it so they will be punished all the people who did crimes here on our land so they they, they will answer for all that they did so just freelance um this um, yeah <clears throat> yeah russians punished and uh, like uh how to say that uh these reparations and stuff like from their side and free country and but of course like another thing what i'm thinking about is that um unfortunately lots of forests and fields for a long time still will be um really dangerous places because of the mines and some rockets that they left so maybe also for victory is me it's it's, it's um the cleaning of the, uh, the cleaning of the ukrainian territory so i hope it will be a safe place to live to continue our life Martin, you get the second to last question today because I'm going to take the last one. Thank you, uh, Ben. Um, Slava Ukraini. Here uh, I am, Slava. <laughs> absolutely. Um, I, I joined in just after uh, this site uh, began. Um, so I'm just wondering, uh, you wrote an article, Katja? Uh, if so... Um, is it in English so someone like myself and others can read it? And second question, um, I'll be very concise. What would you like us, no, let, what would you like me as an individual here in Canada to do to help support the people of Ukraine who are fighting against this illegal unprovoked aggression by Russia. And I'll go down to listener and thank you. And Slava Ukraini. Uh, Slava, thank you. Yes, I wrote an article. It's in English. Uh, it's pinned into my Twitter page. Uh, so the last tweet, it's pinned. So there is a link to, to an article. Yeah, this this is a translation of my diary, which I wrote during my uh, um, basement days in Bucha. Uh, yeah, so it's in English. And um, 
what I can ask to do, like uh, for for me, like still I hear a lot of uh, questions and affairs situations when people really do not know what is going on here. Of course, there is like some amount, there is some amount of people who really like following the news, who are really in topic, uh, who really tries to support us in any possible way. But still, there are a lot of people who doesn't believe what's going on, who doesn't know what is going on. Who thinks that it's some somewhere far away, like uh, and it it doesn't have any affection on them. So what I can ask is yet yeah, to share information, to to share information only like from from the the, the first pages, yeah, from the news newspapers. But uh, what's going on in other like maybe cities, towns? Because do like right now. Uh, Kherson region is occupied also uh, by Russians, uh, and uh, uh, they continue to do their crimes, like sharing information. And still, our defenders, lots of them, uh, were taken as a hostages, and uh, some of them really were sentenced to death. I don't know. I don't know what you can do. Really, I don't know. Even I don't know what I can do to help them. But I, I truly believe that this sharing information, maybe just to ask governments to help something, to do something, maybe organizing protests, donating money again, uh, because uh, maybe some someone will hear you who, who will have more chances to do something, I don't know, like to, to change the situation, maybe some experience or some, uh, or be qualified for some, uh, for some stuff to do. Um, yeah, share the information. Yeah, <laughs> donate money to Ukrainian army, Ukrainian service. Uh, talk to talk to people, and uh, maybe if you have any refugees, yeah, and this is really important uh, for everyone. Uh, it doesn't matter from where you are. Like, if you know any Ukrainian refugees, please try to help them any in any possible way because it's really scary to lose like everything maybe you can you know people who can make some job offers for them or maybe you can help them with like to find them a, a place to live at least temporary one um, so it, or at least just to to find the psychologist for them just to speak about it because uh, I, I really know that uh, lots of people are really suffering it's really hard to be not it, it's a it, it's an awful situation when you're you don't want to be in another country, you want to go home, but you're still super scared to get there. And you're just feeling that you're stuck in the middle of nowhere. Thanks. Before yes. we let you go, I have one more question about your uh, your Twitter biography, which is, I have to say, one of the most complicated Twitter bio, you know, pack a lot of information into your Twitter bio. It's your patriotic uh, Ukrainian from the Donbass with the sole of a key, uh, Kievan soul, but that your blood is Greek. And I'm interested, is that a metaphor or, or is your family ethnically from Greece? Yeah, originally the east of Ukraine, uh, the Donbass region and Mariupol, uh, it's a, like we had a huge Greek diaspora there. And um, the Mariupol originally was created by Greeks, and uh, my uh, my grandmother and my my family we are like uh, I, I'm a Greek by like half blood Greek or something like that. So I have some like Greek roots, and uh, lots of villages nearby Volnovakha, like Mari- lots, lots of people in Mariupol and uh, Bugas, for example, which my granny was from. Uh, people there were still. Uh, use like Greek language 
and unfortunately lots of the uh, of that villages were already like damaged and what happened to Mariupol is just uh, it's I still cannot believe it just scares me and uh, that's why it feels even more painful because I, I I'm feeling that Russians not only they kill Ukrainians but they also kill this minority like uh, the, the Greeks who were living there and that's why like frankly speaking I I can't understand like the position of Greek government now, but okay, it's it's not the the topic of the discussion. Yeah, so just somehow I'm a girl from Donbas, but um, with a Greek uh, blood and roots <laughs> who moved to Kiev. Then and now I'm in Warsaw. We are gonna leave it there. Uh, Katya Savchenko, thank you so much for joining us today for writing. Uh, this very moving diary and for sharing your story. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thanks for sharing. Uh, sorry if uh, something wasn't clear or if I made any mistakes uh, during my speech. Uh, I, I really appreciate that you invited me. Uh, it was a fabulous conversation and we appreciate your doing it. Thanks to you all for joining as well. As always, we will be posting this to the uh, uh, Live from Ukraine podcast feed which you should all uh, rate, review, and share because, you know, you are the only promotional uh, vehicle we have for this. Uh, It will be up later today or early tomorrow. Please do share it and keep your eye on my Twitter feed for future episodes. I will always have them as the pinned tweet uh, uh, once they are scheduled. Thanks all very much. We'll see you later.